under his covering. And we're talking about how are we going to do community together? Many things and many of us seem very spiritual in theory, but it quickly becomes challenging when we start to bring living stones together. Oh, well, that sounds pretty cool. You know, we're living stones. We're the church. We're being built together. Wow, that sounds pretty neat. We're talking about a process to get people to come together, to work together, to stay together, to not just tolerate one another, but to love one another, and to accomplish the purposes of the kingdom. We're talking about living in relationship first with Jesus, and then in community with one another, and us being the body of Christ, being his hands and his feet, and being his representatives here upon the earth. I don't know about you. I'm just going to share with you something. I don't know about you, but sometimes I argue with myself. Any of you do that? I argue with myself. I don't have any diagnosis or anything, but... (laughs) I have internal conflicts with myself. There's some things about me that I don't like. There's some things about me that I would like to change. There's some things about inside about me that I'm just not really quite happy with. And that's hard enough. Now, I want you then to think about this. Then we bring into the equation this beautiful young lady who I said I love. Sounds wonderful. Sounds like a fairy tale. Until you realize life just got a whole lot more complicated. As long as it was just me and no other humans around, the only human conflict that I could have in my little world was with me. Now you bring my pretty bride in, and there are now four potential conflicts. When there's no other human beings, it's just me against me. It's just a conflict with myself. Now that you bring my wife into the situation, there's four potential conflicts. Me with me, her with her, me with her, and her with me. You see that? It didn't just add to it. It got exponentially harder. There's four times more opportunity for difficulty or conflict just by adding one other person. Then when you think about this, you go take it a little bit further, you add children. It just makes it a little harder. <laughs> add family, extended family, friends. You see how the challenge grows exponentially. And so, you know, it's hard just to, a lot of times, just live with ourselves and get along with ourselves. Then you get a spouse, and you know it's kind of hard to live with them and get along with them. Then you had kids. You may have chose your wife, or you may have chose your husband, but you didn't get to choose who your mother-in-law was, or you didn't get to choose who your son married, or who your daughter married. You didn't get to choose that. It gets more complicated. It gets more difficult when you add people. Now, you take a typical church like ours, and, and there's probably a hundred or... So, so you, you multiply all those potentials for conflict just in a family and how hard it is to keep a family together, right? It's hard. It really is. Now you want to multiply that times... You get two families, and you multiply all those opportunities for conflict, and then you add three, 
And then you add four. And you get, like our church, 140 to 150 family units. There's a lot of potential for challenging times. How are we going to survive under one roof? How are we going to work together? It's like the, the movie Houston. We have a problem, right? We're in trouble. We're in trouble because I'm not that good. I'm really not. I know you're thinking I am. Thank you. But I'm not that good. Here's the truth. We're in trouble because I'm not that good. We're also in trouble because every church, like every family, has their crazies. Right? I mean, isn't it true? Every church around the world, in every culture, has their crazies. It's like your family. You love them, and don't let anybody else say that they're crazy. Right? Don't let anybody else talk about them. Don't let anybody else put them down. But you know that they require a little bit of extra grace. It's just like, you know, you just need a little bit of extra grace. It's just a little extra grace required there. If anybody else says anything about them, we'll defend them. We'll protect them. We'll come to their defense because we don't want anyone else talking about them. But sometimes it's, it's true. They do require a little bit of extra grace. One pastor friend of mine said that they're crazy, but there are crazies. How are we going to not just survive? Maybe I'm the one who needs a little extra grace. Maybe you're the one who needs a little that extra grace. But how are we not going to just survive under one roof? But how is it that we can possibly thrive under one roof? Can I say this to you? It's going to require a miracle. It really is. It's going to require divine intervention. For your family to make it, let's just break it down quickly. For your family to make it, you're going to need a miracle. You're going to say, Pastor, don't be so negative. I'm just telling you, the world is doing everything it can to tear your family apart. The world's doing everything. The enemy is doing everything he can to make you angry and bitter and put things between you, looking to destroy and separate you. He's doing everything he can to destroy your household. If he's against your household, he's certainly against the church of Jesus Christ. So it's going to take a divine intervention. But the cool thing is God is always intervening. God is always at work. And even right now, he's working, as they said, he's working around the world, but he's working in our lives. And that miracle or that divine intervention is exactly what God does. I want you to listen to what God has already done in your life if you're born again. Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the rulers of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. These next two words are really cool. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it's by grace you have been saved. And God 
raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. He's already done that. He's raised you up with Christ and he has already seated you with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not by works so that you cannot boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I want you to see the miracle that's already taken place. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. You followed the desires of your flesh. You did just what the spirit of this age prompted you to do. You were deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for you, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. He seated us with Christ in the heavenly realms. And I shared this last week. I believe it was last week whenever we were talking about how Paul and Silas made the choice to worship God in the midst of their prison. And now 2,000 years later, we're still talking about them. And I shared that week too. I also shared of how literally millions of years from now, standing around the throne, people will be talking about you. Do you realize that? There's going to be people who are going to be saying, because this person prayed for me, because they shared with me. Brian said to me, our friend who who gave his life to Jesus, Brian said, you know, he said, Pastor, in a million years from now, I want people to be talking about me too. So whenever we go out and we tell people about Jesus and we tell them about how he loves them and how he'll forgive their sins and how they can have a relationship with him, the reality of it is we are doing something that's going to last throughout eternity. And in that time, it will show to the world in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. People are going to be talking about what you and I do throughout eternity. There's going to be people around the throne who said, that person came and visited me. That person told me about Jesus. That person showed me the love of Jesus. For this is what Jesus has already done in the lives of people who have been born again. In scripture, Paul describes the collective church of Jesus, the apostles and the prophets, and all other believers as a temple. Paul also includes his readers as an important part of this building process. Notice this, work takes place by the Spirit. It's by grace you've been saved. It's a gift of God. It's not of yourselves. Do you realize you didn't save yourself? Do you realize you didn't call yourself? No man can come to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. So the fact that you are in a personal relationship with Jesus, that your sins have been forgiven, it's all the work of God. You can't take credit for any of that. It was his work. You simply responded. You said yes to his invitation. I want you to notice that this work that we talked about takes place by the Spirit. We worship by the Spirit. We live by the Spirit. We're led by the Spirit. We walk by the Spirit. We're taught by the Spirit, 
And we're washed, we're sanctified, and we're justified by that same Spirit. Our salvation comes solely through the grace of God. The ability to successfully live in community with one another will only be accomplished through the Spirit of God. You aren't going to get your stuff together good enough so that we can function together. Because just to be honest with you, we're just way too dysfunctional. I don't mean to offend you. But we are. We're too selfish. In ourselves, we're not going to be able to do it. Now you say, Pastor, I'm doing a lot better. You're not quite that good yet. I just want you to know. You might be doing better, but maybe the one you're married to, she's not. Or he's not. Or those kids aren't. Or that neighbor, you know, you can only be pushed so far. You can only take so much. It's going to be the Spirit of God that unites us as one. It's going to be the work of God that accomplishes that purpose in our hearts and that brings us together. Paul writes about how God has joined together the Jews and the Gentiles as one in Christ. Now you talk about a challenge. They were divided. They were separated. And listen to what it says in verse 11. Now, therefore, remember that you formerly, who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised, by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and he preached to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. And then he kind of summarizes everything. He says, consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers. He's writing to Gentiles. That's what you and I are. But fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole body is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I need you to get that last verse. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. In this portion of Scripture, Paul emphasizes the reality of Christian unity, the Jews and the Gentiles becoming one in Christ. That same principle applies to you and I. And here's the reality. God is the center of the church. God has to be the focus of the church. If anything else becomes the focus of the church, even good things, even wonderful things, if a particular ministry, if a person, 
a personality, if a project, if a facility or a building, if a style of worship or a personal agenda becomes the focus of the church, we are sure to be divided and fractured. Anytime a ministry becomes a focus, a person becomes a focus, a dream, a goal becomes the focus of the church, I guarantee you, even really God-given dreams and God-given goals, if those things become the focus and the center of the church, the church will be divided and fractured. But if Jesus, I think we could preach there. But if Jesus and his kingdom remain our focus... If he's the center, if he's where our eyes are upon, if we don't look to the left or to the right, if we don't turn from anything else, but we keep Jesus right in the center place as our focus. Lord, it's all about you. I got my eyes on you. You can't walk on water if you take your eyes off Jesus. Peter experienced that. When he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was able to do incredible things. But when he took his eyes off of Jesus, if Jesus remains the focus and the center of our church, and his kingdom remains our focus. And if we walk by the Spirit, we will cooperate together. If we walk by the Spirit, in spite of our differences, in spite of the different backgrounds we come from, in spite of our opinions and our preferences, in spite of our past sins, in spite of our brokenness. You know, Jesus can use messed up, broken people, Collectively, we become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. If we keep Him the center, if we keep the focus, and we walk by the Spirit, we become a dwelling where God abides. The gifts are housed in the church. We become the temple of God. We become His representatives. We hold within us the message of the gospel. Within us, we hold, we carry within us the good news inside of us. It dwells in us because God's spirit dwells in us. You know, we really are better together. We become a force to be reckoned with. A force united that influences and changes our culture. When the church becomes the church, we recognize who we are and who dwells inside of us and what we are, that we're a habitation for God. We don't cave into the culture. The culture is changed by us. The church influences the world. The light always shatters the darkness every time. God's wanting to do some great things through Lighthouse. God's working. He's working all over the world. But he has a specific call and a specific purpose that he wants to accomplish through our church. That doesn't take away from him wanting to do something great in a neighboring town, in a neighboring city. If God blesses us, it's not going to hurt anybody else. It's going to bless others. It's not like we're keeping something, if God does something for us, that somehow he can't do it for somebody else. But in the last days, he says he's going to pour out his spirit. I'm going to need some people who are willing to do some heavy lifting. You're ready. Something's stirring in your heart. Because there's a work to do There's things that God wants to accomplish where he's been preparing you for. Maybe you're even a visitor here. I don't know. He's been preparing you for a work for him. Something that's going to require. It's not just like for the faint of heart. It's not for the weary and tired. There's some people who have been doing a lot of heavy lifting. But for the work that God has, we're going to need a lot more stout 
strong, capable men and women of God who will step up and say, God, I'm ready for you to use me. Lord, I'm willing to carry, I'm willing to carry a load. Lord, I'm willing to step into what you have for me. If you just sit around, you just get weak. I don't want to call you out, but when you just sit around and you don't do anything, you get weak, you become like a sissy. But you weren't made to be soft. Your heart's going to be soft. You were made to be strong. You were made to be victorious. You were made to overcome and to conquer. You were made to be a tool in the hand of God that God can do his work. If you just sit around, you become soft, you become weak, you become, a lot of times we become useless in the kingdom. And we complain about it, but God's calling you. He's calling you to take your place. He's calling you to really, I sense this, to go into spiritual training. To say, God, I know you have something for me to do and I'm ready. I'm willing, Lord, I'm offering myself to you. Here's the question I need to ask you. We're talking about community. We're talking about being under one roof. That Jesus is building his church. And I have this question for you. Are you willing to come under his authority and be part of his family? Perhaps you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. But you sense that he's calling you to himself. You may sense that that was cool seeing those people be baptized. I don't think I could be a part of a church because I got stuff inside of me. I don't know if God would accept me. You may sense that your sin, there's things in your life that are separating you from God. Maybe you're just tired of doing life on your own. Well, I assure you today that Jesus is extending to you today an invitation to come unto him. He says, come unto me all your weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. He says that he'll take your sins and that he'll forgive your sins. And as far as the east is from the west, the Bible says, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. You know, sometimes there's some things in our lives or from our past. And the people who know us, I don't know if he'd really change. Or maybe you've changed and they're just kind of like, well, I remember whenever you used to. The Bible says that when you go to God and you start talking to him about some of the things from your past, do you realize that he has chosen to forget them? That he doesn't know what you're talking about? Some of those things that you constantly bring up to God, God, I'm really sorry. He does not know what you're talking about. He's forgotten it. He's taken it away from you. And yet some of you carry, you carry guilt and you carry condemnation, you carry accusations from the enemy because of mistakes that you've made. Well, the Bible says that the mercies of the Lord are new every morning, every single morning. Great is his faithfulness. So if you feel separated from God, he told me to tell you he'll forgive you. He'll take away your sins and he'll give you peace with him. And you don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops to get there. You simply respond to him. And it's not available six months from now. It's available immediately for you. For the rest of you, Jesus wants to place you as a living stone into the beautiful house that he's building. We have some stones. We have some blocks that that a number of years ago, it's been a long time now, uh, we built some flower beds. And, you know, we bought all these bumpy blocks, things, and I don't know what they're, 
They're just expensive. I know that. And the landscaping stone things, we placed them, but there was a bunch left over. And the ones we didn't use, we set out back behind the building. Now, we should have got rid of them right away. I don't know about your house. If you grew up in the country, probably have a few blocks laying around. Okay? People who grew up on a farm or you grew up around the country. I don't let blocks lay around my house. I don't live in a neighborhood that I can do that. But what I notice is that when blocks just lay around, they end up getting broken. I end up hitting them with my lawnmower. They end up breaking my lawnmower. You know what I mean? They don't really accomplish much. Now, there again, I understand that some places, if you live out in the country and places like that, you might have some blocks laying around and you use them for something. The blocks we left here, if you go back and look at them, they were fine, but we didn't put them to use. And again and again, they've been broken. We've hit them with the lawnmowers, and they've just really been wasted. They're wasted. You really don't accomplish much with them. I don't want that to be your life. I don't want that to be my life. What I sense is that God wants to place you where he sees fit and that you be a part of something that's much bigger than yourself. That you be a part of something that God is building. A block or stone by itself doesn't accomplish much. It usually just gets in the way, gets broken or crushed. What can be accomplished when a master craftsman puts it right where it belongs? And puts it right where it was placed to be. We're going to close out our service a little bit different. First, I want to give the opportunity for those of you. First service, we had five people who responded to Jesus Christ. I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you're separated from God. Maybe you don't know him. Maybe you think he's mad at you. Or maybe you're mad at him. Well, Jesus is offering to you today. Forgiveness. He's offering to you a new life. And if you're away from him, he's inviting you to come back home where you belong. And in just a second, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. Also, later on, I'm going to give you an opportunity, those of you who would say, God, I want to follow your leading. Lord, I want to let you build me and shape me. And use me and place me in your kingdom where you want me. Because I realize you have a greater purpose than what I have. You know, it's crazy. How hard these moments right now are. These are really tough moments right now. Because the Holy Spirit's calling to people. He's drawing people. He's saying, come to me. And every power of darkness, every kid that could scream, if there was a kid in here, they'd start screaming right now. I'm just telling you, it happens all the time. Any kid that their head itches, they start jumping up and down or something. Anything that could distract, the enemy tries to do that because he doesn't want you. He doesn't want you to hear what Jesus is saying to you. He doesn't want you to accept Jesus' offer because he knows if you do, your life's going to be different. Right, Daniel? It's different. Right, Doug? And you know, I, the other night, the, the Holy Spirit, I know how hard it is. I know how hard it is to respond. It's, everybody's going to look at me. Everybody's going to think this. 
people are going to celebrate with you. They're going to be so happy for you. In fact, all of heaven stops. I don't know if you knew that. About four minutes after 10 o'clock, heaven took a break. And all the angels turned their attention towards a little church in New Holland. Because the Bible says all the angels rejoice when one sinner comes to repentance. Oh, can you imagine that? How glorious and powerful heaven is. And they stop. And the angels kind of have a party. They celebrate when one person comes. If you're here today, I want to give you that opportunity. Father, today I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak so clearly. It's like a voice. And maybe you gave my voice for them to hear that you love them, that you'll forgive them, that you don't condemn them or accuse them, but you want them to come back to you today. You want to forgive their sins. You want to give them peace with you. And you'll take care of the future. And you'll work things out. It's not their job. Somebody needs to hear me. It's not your job to fix everything. You come to Jesus and you become his responsibility. He's committed to you. If you're here today, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I do want to pray with you. If you're here today, And you feel that Jesus is talking to you. And he's calling you to himself. And you want to know. You just want to accept his love. And you want to know that you're great with him. You want to be forgiven of your sins. And you want to have peace with God. Can I just get you to slip up your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to pray with you though. Across this room. to make some things right with Jesus across this room. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? He's speaking to you. I know it takes courage. all of you to pray with me. I'd like you to pray out loud if you would. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross and paying the price for my sins. I recognize that I am a sinner and I need to be forgiven. So today, 
I repent of my sins. I ask you to wash me and cleanse me. Give me a new heart. Take this heart of stone. I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. And thank you for giving me peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, whether you did that for the first time today or whether you renewed your commitment, I want you to know, as I said in the first service, heaven's stopping. Today's a new day. Today's a new beginning for you. Your past does not have to dictate what your future is. It doesn't have to control you. Because Jesus lives inside of you now. He's cleansed you. He's washed you. He's forgiven you. And in fact, the Bible says that he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. All of your debt, all of your obligations to sin have been paid by the blood of Jesus. And the Bible says this, they overcame the accuser by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. So today, if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask, and you've asked Jesus into your heart, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor and I'm going to ask you to tell somebody around you before you leave, look to the person in a minute, you look to the person next to you and you tell them, hey, I was one of them. I remember the day that I got saved and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit on the same day. And I could not keep my mouth shut. I told you it a thousand times. I told mom, I can't. I remember, as soon as I got in the church van, I told him I got saved. I told the whole stinking van. I got home. I said to mom, walked in the basement, middle of the night. Mom, I got saved. I thought you were saved. No, I've been lying. I've been faking. I'm a fraud. But I'm real now. Jesus saved me. And friend, he saved you. Now I'm going to ask this too. In a moment, I'm going to ask those of you who are willing to make yourself available to God so that he can work through you. In the context of the body, If you'd be willing to say, God, I'm committed to follow your leading. God, I'm making myself available to work for you. Did you hear that? God, I'm going to be a worker in your kingdom. And if you ask me to, Lord, I'll submit myself to you. And I'm willing to be a leader in your kingdom. Because you can't just have workers. The purpose that God is building, he's building a church. He's accomplishing his purposes. And we need people who will be willing to be leaders. What do I have to offer? I told him in my, the welcome house. What did I, when I got saved, I said, what do I, I remember standing here. I don't have anything to offer you, God, but a bunch of junk. It's like brokenness. What do I have to offer God? But today I'm speaking to some people and you'd be willing to say, God, if you can do something with me, I'll work for you. I'll lead others. Whatever you want to do. I'm not going to tell you what I'll do for you. I'll make myself available.
If you're willing to do that in a moment, as I pray, I'm going to ask you as a sign to the Lord that whenever you come to that point where you say, God, I'm willing to do that, as a sign to the Lord that in a moment that you will stand and let your standing be your reporting for duty. Let your standing be your declaration to God that I'm not my own anymore, God. I'm ready. I'm ready for you to use me. I'm ready for you to place me. I surrender myself to you and to your purpose. Oh, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, they won't be able to stop what God does. You feel that, don't you, Doug? We won't be able to stop what God does. You're not here by chance. You're being placed. You're being positioned for kingdom purposes. And you're being released to do the will of God that throughout eternity, a million years from now, Pastor Jaime, a million years from now, we'll be standing around the throne and you'll hear someone talking. Ah, yeah. I was in Lancaster County Prison and someone came and found me. (laughs) Let me tell you about my song of redemption. The angels won't be able to sing it because only the redeemed. But there's going to be a testimony of God working because you were available to God. Someone's whole destiny, whole households. We saw three baptized today. Whole households will be around the throne generations around the throne. And just like the problems get multiplied, remember I told you at the beginning, it gets really difficult when people are around and you, you, know, you have more opportunity for conflict. You also have more opportunity to impact the kingdom exponentially. So today as I pray, let your standing be assigned to God when you're ready. Father, today we surrender ourselves to you. In the sanctuary, as the leader of Lighthouse, Lord, I offer myself to you as a leader of this congregation. Corporately, we offer ourselves to you. We say that we are the living stones and we allow ourselves to be placed where you want us. Take our lives and build with us what you desire. Build with us a habitation for the Spirit of God. Build with us a household of faith that will powerfully house the gifts of God, that will house the good news of the gospel, that will house a message of hope, of life, of transformation, that will shine brightly in this community and that will transform generations to come. Thank you for the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. I pray that even now as these men and women stand up in this place, I pray that you would baptize them with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I pray that you would take a heart of coldness and callousness and give them a heart of flesh. I pray that you would take a timid spirit from them and give them the spirit of a warrior. I pray that instead of doubt, I pray that you would fill their heart with faith and with confidence and with boldness and with courage in the name of Jesus. Now I release them in Jesus' name to be used and to be 
vessels of the glory of God, and we thank you for that, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. For the glory of God, we ask these things, and everybody said, Amen. 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 God bless you.